Hi, everyone. Welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder. I'm a senior director at CFGI. And as you know, this is the program where we dig deeper to, to uh, understand what really matters most in business. Today, I'm really pleased to welcome Salvatore Patti, who's a senior vice president at Wisfis Bank. Sal's going to be going behind the numbers today. Sal, welcome. Thank you, David. Uh, happy to be here. It's great to be here in a uh, in-person setting as well. I know these are rare occurrences these they days, are. so they I, are. I appreciate that. I'm sure everybody who's watching does too. Yes. yes. So, Sal, always start out by just asking the guests to tell the audience a little bit about who they are. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Maybe a little bit about Wisfis. Absolutely. Because Wisfis is, is a name that I'm guessing a lot of people may not be familiar with. Yes. W S F S. And what I'll say is, uh, I'll get into that in a minute, yeah. but let me start uh, by, by my background. 28 years in the banking business um, and, and pretty diversified career in commercial banking as well as wealth management. Uh, I'm a director of commercial banking and wealth management for WISFIS. And WISFIS is not a slogan, right? It's actually our name. And what it stands for is we stand for service. So we, we're governed by a, a simple uh, mission that if we do the right thing by our clients and, and execute on our, our relationship management structure, uh, good things will happen. Uh, right. So we're, <clears throat> excuse me, the longest standing uh, financial institution that's headquartered in the greater Delaware Valley region. We're headquartered in Delaware. And uh, our, our target market is Pennsylvania, in New Jersey, and Delaware. Uh, when you look at our, our, our lines of businesses and how we go to market, uh, obviously we have a, a retail platform in the region here, uh, commercial banking, small business, uh, treasury management. Uh, New Lane is our, is our uh, leasing arm, mm -hmm. uh, private wealth management, as well as Cash Connects, which helps with the ATM logistics. So we moved into the uh, Philadelphia market through the acquisition of Beneficial Savings Bank. Um, and that, that penetration is, is allowing us to be able to, to grow the market. And uh, uh, we're doing that with, uh, with a great team in place. Great. It's awesome background. So we're going to be talking to business owners and entrepreneurs and, and financial leaders about uh, things that are going to be germane to them as we roll into the new year. But before we dive into that, you're also the chairman of the PIDC. Why don't you tell folks what that is and why that matters? Yes, PIDC is the Philadelphia Industrial Development Corporation. So I've sat on the PIDC board for quite some time. Um, I was elected chairman of the board in, in April. Uh, and they are the economic development arm of the city of Philadelphia. And our focus at PIDC is, is to be the, the engine that fuels job growth in the city of Philadelphia. And, and we do that through various programs. And especially during the pandemic, we were very instrumental in administering a lot of the, the programs for small businesses in the region. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a great team, uh, which has a significant amount of impact into the Philadelphia region. Yeah, well, congratulations on that. I know Thank that, you. that's part of your overall philosophy of giving back. Yes, absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. So let's jump into the, the topic, so to speak, Sal. So 2020 has been just a insane kind of year for everybody, right? We've all had to figure out how to adapt and survive and pivot and so forth. And some of us have been very lucky being able to work from home. Others have, have seen their businesses crumble. And I'm sure you've seen it all in your space too. So what have you seen in terms of this concept of business survival? How are, how are your clients getting through? Have they gotten through 2020? Yeah. Uh, you know, you talked about the word pivot. 
And if you look at in March, everyone had to pivot and clients yeah. had to go into to a, a virtual setting. You figure everything was shut down and you're looking at, in some cases, 90% to 100% of these businesses in a virtual setting. Um, and you're in an environment that, you know, it's changed. It's changed that you were not expecting. But, but that change, in my opinion, if you, if you adapt the infinite mindset, it brings opportunity, right? Because change is looking at different ways, whether it's embracing, whether that pivot is embracing technology on how you do things. Uh, it's having that infinite mindset around that. If you're going to have a finite mindset, you know, in my opinion, what that does is that you're just waiting for things to go back to the way they were. And given to where the pandemic has brought us, I, I, I just don't see that mm -hmm. happening. If anything, what it does, what it, what it has done is it has, has, uh, pretty much accelerated a lot of the strategic plans that companies are facing. Like if you had a company out there, that was looking to adopt a, a, uh, a digital strategy that may have been five years out, that digital strategy is here. Yeah. Right. We're going to see, we're going to see that, you know, when we go back, that the new normal is going to look totally different, uh, especially when you get into, you know, workforce design, where you're going to have companies that are, you know, still going to have people working virtually and some people in the office so that, you know, you know, from, from a, an office environment standpoint, you're going to see a change there. Um, so a, a lot, of, a lot of good change, but, but, but for some, uh, it, it's something that, uh, uh, is going to be challenging. And for others, it's really reinvention and moving forward. Yeah. So you mentioned infinite mindset. Did you happen to read the Simon Sinek? Book? Yes. So, so I, um, I love Simon Sinek and I, I, I listened to him a lot and, you know, it was really inspirational for me when I listened to his five minute talk to his employees about the finite and the infinite mindset. And Why don't you enlighten the audience about uh, your perspective on the infinite mindset? What does that mean? Yeah, so the infinite mindset is really centered around change, okay, and embracing change and looking at it as a way for you to continue and reinvent your business. But then more importantly, David, it's really making sure that your employees are engaged in doing that. So whatever that change may be, and, and, and Simon Sinek talks about, you know, he brings up how, you know, the Internet has changed everything. And then he brings up Starbucks, for example, where, you know, when Starbucks came in, the coffee industry changed. Right. So uh, we have to take a look at the, the pandemic and the environment that we're in and embracing the change and making sure that our employees are committed to that. And then think about the restaurant industry and what they're doing in terms of how all those employees today are, are you know, deliveries are going out and, and we're in the past that some of these restaurants were not doing that and how they're building out pods yeah. for, for outdoor dining. So the finite mindset is that you, you're not embracing the change and you'll just think that things will be, eventually we'll, we'll get back to, to normal things will, will be okay, uh, that mindset, I think, is going to cause some issues because, you know, obviously, if you're not wanting to adapt to the change 
it's going to have an impact. Yeah, I saw uh, some social media posts on LinkedIn and other places, something to the effect of, if you think that uh, the normal is going back to 2019, then you didn't learn anything in exactly. 2020. Yeah. Sal, for the folks who are watching and listening and want to maybe get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yes. Uh, my email is the best way. Uh, my email address is spatty, P-A-T-T-I, at wsfsbank.com. Yeah, we have about five minutes to go in the first segment, sure. but I want to just pick up on something that you just talked about in context of this infinite mindset about getting employees engaged. So mm -hmm. you know that you're preaching to the choir on that, but what does that mean to you about getting employees engaged and how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so, so the, the, the best thing that I love is leadership and, and how you engage employees and get, get them all committed, uh, especially in an environment right now, it's really reaching out and making sure that they understand the strategy, the mission. Uh, when you look at WISFIS, we have such an, an, an excellent culture around that where our associates not only have pivoted, but have also, uh, you look at our retail, retail partners, uh, how they come into the, to the branches every day and do the things that they have to do. It's really, uh, leadership starts uh, from the top. It's really about listening, learning, and then also making sure that you know, they're engaged uh, and looking for ways to be strategic mm -hmm. and how you go to market. Because in my opinion, and I've always said this, and you may have heard me say this before, uh, when you have fully engaged employees, you're going to have happy customers. Yeah. And it, start, it all starts with, with making sure that, that the employees are engaged. Oh, yeah. Hey, look, like I said, you're preaching to the choir. Yes. Any, anybody who wants to know what that looks like, you know, Fly Southwest, right? Yeah, exactly. they're, they're kind of the poster child for a, a real good example. Um, in like the two minutes or so we have here, though, tell me about how engaging employees has been now different in this remote work environment. Yeah, so if you look at, if you, look at uh, you know, we spend a lot of our time in a client-facing mode, right? And we're, you know, visiting clients and meeting with them. Uh, you know, that's all done virtually through Zoom. Yeah. So we, we had to make sure that everybody's embraced that. And more importantly, that they have the tools to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. and, and in some cases, you're going to find that clients may want to continue until they feel comfortable in that virtual setting. Where, whereas others, you know, are saying, hey, I think we could, you know, get together and socially distance like we're doing right. and have, have in-person meetings and face-to-face. -face. Eventually, we're going to have to get back to that, right. depending on the role that you're in. Um, but, it's, uh, but, it, but it's definitely you know, been a challenge, but it's amazing to see how everybody has come together, has embraced that, and looked at creative ways to still you know, service the client and, uh, and make sure that we're, you know, executing on on our promise. Yeah, it's funny, just we were talking before we went on the air here, and I, I mentioned that I think that this video conferencing is probably gonna be the, the new normal in terms of the way we conduct otherwise would have, would have been a teleconference because this allows us to, to look and, and see, look each other in the eye and create that connection even if you can't physically be together. So that's a good spot for us to take a quick commercial break. Sal, don't go anywhere. I won't. You watching and listening, sit tight. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. This plus this equals this plus this and this. Don't drink and drive. Listen, what will make your event simply beautiful? Is it your attire? 
your decorations, your entertainment. Well, join me, Alicia Simone, as I chat with some amazing vendors and clientele who will share their stories and images and their experiences. Right here on RVN TV, Tuesday at 11.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 4 p.m. It will be simply beautiful. See you then. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking with Sal Patty, who's a senior vice president at Wisfis Bank. Sal, a lot of good stuff covering the first segment. <laughs> well, let's let's jump into the things that our, our business owners uh, are listening for now. Uh, your ideas, advice for them, for what they should be thinking about as we're about to head into a new year. What, what should business owners be focusing on? Yeah, thanks, David. Uh, so, uh, obviously... You know, business owners are being faced with a lot right now, whether it's, uh, you know, where do employees work? Is it virtual? Is it in right. person? Uh, the other is uh, what does the uh, what does the layout of the workplace look like? The planning around that. Yeah. And, and so as we move into the 2021 and we move forward, it's really centered around how do you execute against that? And then more importantly, are able to uh, meet your clients' needs, make sure that your employees are safe. I think that's a big, big priority right now for a lot of business owners I'm hearing is, you know, we have said, you know, for the first time we've heard, you know, clients tell us that, you know, they had long-term employees that love to come to the office and now are concerned, right, yeah. for, for, for health reasons. So as we move forward, what does that look like? You might have a hybrid model and, and you know, who stays in the office, who doesn't stay in the office. Um, uh, you have business owners that their supply chain has, has changed significantly. Mm. Uh, so supply chain management is, is an area that needs to uh, be considered and looked at. Uh, if you look at, um, you know how how the product is is arriving at, at our doorsteps. That has changed. Oh yeah, and if you're if so everybody's clicking and and supply chain management and in the industrial warehouse space uh, is in high demand because there's products yeah. coming to us. Yeah, look, As, we're just wearing a consumer hat. Who a, a guy who had to buy a, a chair. Um, ordered it in God. What was it? October, November, and we're not going to see it until May. Right. Right. So, supply, so when you talk about supply chain, yeah, that's huge. Supply chain management, uh, you know, that's, there's going to be a change there. Uh, there's going to be a big demand, in my opinion, over the next three to five years for industrial warehouse space. Hmm. Only because, remember, these shipments are coming in. Yeah. And so they have to be warehoused somewhere. Uh, so you'll see the, a change there. And, and it's really around, you know, the other thing I would say is making sure that you have secured a very strong balance sheet and work in capital to be able to make the changes that you need to make, whether it's investing in technology, 
whether it's pivoting and uh, reinventing new products that are going to benefit your clients. Uh, if you're prudent in, in running your business and you have the working capital in place, I think you'll come out on top here. And let's talk a little bit about the balance sheet for a second here. A lot of good stuff there. But uh, with regard to the balance sheet, so debt's a double-edged sword, right? So companies can benefit from leverage, of course. Mm -hmm. um, too much, obviously not so good. And I've seen horror stories of, of companies in this pandemic who are maybe even appropriately leveraged, not over-leveraged, but once the pandemic hit, weren't able to service the debt, and there's a whole host of negative consequences there. How should business owners be thinking about the right amount of debt going into 21? Well, I think it goes back to you know making sure that your you know leverage is a big thing. You don't want to be over leveraged. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's making sure that your 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 revenue is there to be able to service your positive cash flow, and and if it's not, then you know it goes back to the to the, looking at your expenses and trying to figure out how do you scale that back so that way you get to a profitable space so that way you have enough free cash flow to be able to service your debt and then finding creative ways to, to, to really uh, grow your revenue base. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you talked about workforce planning, what just the office layout's going to look like, that re really resonates. And I smiled there, I don't know if you caught that. But um, in our particular building, we were going to be moving to some new office space in the top floor. And it was going to be designed with this wonderful layout that allowed very close collaboration. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm thinking that kind of a layout design isn't going to fly going forward. What's, what's your view on yeah, what the, the workforce layout, the, the workspace layout is going to look yeah, like? Yeah, David, that, that's, a, that's a great question because uh, we see that at PIDC because obviously we, we do a lot in the real estate space. And so do we at, at, at Wisfus through our, our uh, CRE group, our real estate group. So what you're going to find is that, yeah, we've spent a lot of time creating a new environment in the workplace and we may need to go back to the way it was before. Right. Mm -hmm. So the design's going to change. I think you're going to see things be more spread out. Yeah. And then I, I also think that uh, you're not going to see uh, with with the impact that's happening. I think you're also going to see companies, you know, sort of a suburban type building setting where it's maybe five floors or six floors instead of having like 30 floors within mm -hmm. a building, depending on what your need is. So that's all going to, that's the, the redesign and the reinvention is taking place yeah. there as we speak. Uh, so that's an area that, uh, that I think is, is going to be changing depending on what, what the needs are. And then what does the hybrid model look like for businesses? You're going to have some that are going to remain at home and others that are going to be in the office. And then this whole concept of hotel space yeah. is going to be the way of the future. Yep, exactly. I'm, I'm right there with you. Sal, for folks watching uh, who want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to yes, find you? Yes, my email address is spatty, P-A-T-T-I, at wsfsbank.com. Awesome. I want to talk about another subject that's near and dear to the hearts of business owners, um, succession planning. Yes. Let's talk about that from your lens. I mean, you've seen it you know, in your commercial, commercial lending background, as well as your wealth management mm -hmm, background, mm -hmm. what are some of the things that business owners should be thinking about? I always tell folks that it, at, at a minimum, think about a, a succession plan or an exit as a process. It's not just an event. It's something that you need to prepare for well in advance, but I'm going to hand you the mic, so to speak. Yeah. So that's, that's an area of big interest at the moment. Uh, it started the, before the pandemic, and then I think the pandemic has escalated that. And when you look at uh, our, our wealth group, uh, there's a big, big focus for us 
to be able to sit down with our existing commercial clients and do a succession plan. And, and it's really centered around, like, I, the first thing that, that these uh, owners will say to you is, you know, how do I do it? How do, hmm. how do I do my succession plan? And we spend a lot of time working on, you know, what are, what are the priorities, right? Does that mean that you're going to sell your company? Do you have family that's going to take over the company? And then more importantly, um, what about your employees? You're going to see a lot of business owners that are saying, my employees have been, you know, really committed to my business. And I want to find a way to be able to give them ownership. So the whole ESOP structure over the last couple of years has yeah. been really attractive. ESOP, for employee stock ownership plan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. An ESOP plan where they're actually, work, the structure is to be able to uh, work in a way where employees get ownership in the business, right? So that's, so it's like, so then it's the question is, when do you do it? Yeah. And so timing becomes important. So if you look at the, the current economic environment that we're in, you're going to have a lot of business owners that say, this might be the time for me to either enter into an ESOP or sell to a third party, right? The other is valuation, which you know. It's, it's making sure that there is a proper valuation of the business. And so that way we have a better understanding of what the value is. And then it's, it's really, the other thing is centered around family, right? So once, you, once you've maybe engaged in the ESOP or ready to sell your business and you know where the valuation is, you know, how do we come in and communicate that to the family and set up trust and, mm-hmm. and be able to create an infrastructure across generations? And all that's predicated on the idea that the family gets along. Yes. Uh, far too often in these kinds of circumstances, um, they, they don't actually play nice in the sandbox together. Yes, that's true. And, and so I've seen situations where uh, you might have uh, the, the, the patriarch or the matriarch of the family saying, you know, it's time for us to, to sell this business and we want to do it in a way that really impacts our family long term. But, you know, the communication doesn't happen to the very end. Yeah. And then there's uh, a trust agreement that says, okay, this is the trust and this is how things are going to be administered, you know, over, over different generations. And, uh, but then you do have cases where you might have a partnership mm-hmm. um, where, you know, two may, may not agree that it's time to sell. So it's, it's, there's, you spend a lot of time going through the discovery process and conversations around that to get to a good place where everybody benefits from what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, let's talk about the seller mindset, if you don't mind, because psychologically it's oftentimes a big hurdle for a business owner to give up their baby, so to speak, and and exit 100%. What's been your experience and what have you heard from folks about their interest in either staying on or the reluctance to sell until they have a thought about what's the future look like. Yeah, so it's sort of mixed, right? So you have, I I've have clients that have reached out and said, yeah, there is no succession here. I'm ready to sell. But I worked extremely hard for my business. And so I want to be able to get the right multiple, mm-hmm. but I want to be out. Yeah. And then set up a trust plan for my family and how I move forward from there. You have others that are saying, depending on who I partner up with and get married with, uh, I may want to consider staying on. So I go back to, this is several years ago. We had a client that I never thought would sell his business. And he came to me and he said, 
Sal, no one's going to take over my business. No one wants to be in this. My kids, I, I know how to take care of them. So I basically am going to sell to a competitor. And so the first thing I asked them is, what are you going to do? Like, you, right. you, you, you live and die your business. And he, his response to me is, I'm going to stay on for five years. And he, he was very strategic. What he did is he took less money up front. Mm-hmm. And said, "Let me let's be a partner in building the business, and pay me out over five years, depending on how we grow our EBITDA." Right. So that's an earnout structure. That's an earnout strategy. And yep. so then, after the five years, when I talked to him, I said, "Are you staying on another five? Absolutely not. I'm finished." <laughs> so it's all a, it's all a function of who are you going to partner up with, and then you know what's what's the next strategy for you personally. Yeah, we have about two minutes to go, but just to, to finish off on this topic, um, we talked a little bit about what companies should be doing, mm-hmm. but what are the mistakes that you've seen folks make as they're thinking about the exit plan, the, the succession plan, that if you had a chance to tell them you know, three years in advance, don't do what you did or don't do what you're thinking of doing, what, what might you say? I'd say uh, go through a thoughtful process. Make sure you engage with all of your advisors, whether it's your bankers, your accountants, and make sure that it's a good fit. Mm -hmm. Because I agree. I mean, I've had clients that are looking at a big number and are saying, gee, this, this is really, really good. Let me get out. But then, you know, after a few years, they're saying, well, why did I even do that? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, so it goes back to planning. Planning is very critical. Uh, when you're looking at succession planning and making sure that you're vetting everything out and that your advisors are front and center in, you know, what, what, what's the next step you need to take? Yeah, you've got to have the right team. You need a quarterback so you that do. somebody's driving it and they're all working together for your best interest, Mr. Absolutely. Or Ms. Client. Absolutely. Yeah. And one other thing I would just um, put an exclamation point on valuation. Yeah, that's what I do all day, every day. But in the in the exit world, it's not always necessarily about getting the highest multiple to get your max valuation in that moment mm-hmm. because you know there are trade-offs and considerations and deal structures you talked about with earnout but from a wealth management perspective to put that on for a second you could help a business owner uh, do quite well with maybe somewhat less proceeds if it's managed correctly on a go forward basis exactly so then then it, it basically what it boils down to is how do we manage that over time right so that way that that the next generation is going to be the recipient of that wealth that's been created through the through that sale. So maybe you're actually taking that infinite mindset into that aspect as exactly. well. Exactly. How's getting that creative. for pulling it all together? That was unplanned. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's getting creative. That's what happens on live TV. Sal, thanks so much Thank for joining you, us on Behind the Numbers. Thank you. We've been talking today with Sal Patty, who's a senior vice president at Wisfist Bank. And if you want to get in touch with him, he's told you how to do that. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can stay on top of everything that we are up to here on Behind the Numbers. Until we meet again, stay well, everybody. Take care.